Hello, and welcome back to Better Health Now. I'm your host, Rob Brown. It's good to be back again with you in this new year. Been taking a break from the podcasts, unfortunately. I hope that you think unfortunately, because I had some other things going on, but uh, I really want to get back and get started passing some information along to you folks. If you find the, the information helpful and useful, you can always give me uh, a message at betterhealthnowpodcast at gmail.com if you want to give some feedback, want some additional information, want some questions answered. I'd be happy to answer them to, for you, give you some, some additional information. For this year, I want to get started off uh, where a lot of people start, and that is with New Year's resolutions. A lot of people at this time of the year decide to sit down and make a New Year's resolution. It's a very common thing. A lot of us do it because we took stock of the previous year on New Year's Eve, December 31st. It's a time of looking back, of contemplation. January 1st, New Year's Day, a, a chance to look forward. It's a great time for all of us to think about trying to become a better version of the person that we are. I understand that. I've done it myself. A very common and probably one of the most common types of New Year's resolutions is to get healthier, improve our health, improve our well-being. People will put certain kinds of numbers and goals out there like they want to lose 20 pounds or they want to quit smoking or they want to cut out the carbs. All of these things frequently seem to show up on a lot of folks' New Year's resolution lists. And they're all well-meaning. They're certainly good things. Uh, we would like to make a good change, but a lot of these great ideas just get lost on the way to implementing them or they're not realistic. I would suggest a couple of things as we get started here today. A better way to make some starts with a New Year's resolution is to get back to some basics. If we want to talk about health and well-being, what are the parts, what are the pieces, what are the components about being healthy? Where do we want to start? What do we want to zoom in on? I'm going to get healthy doesn't get, take us any place. Let's break it down. Uh, now, I am not a fan of buying into a plan or buying a product or subscribing to something because I think that our health stops as soon as we stop buying that product or the plan or the subscription lapses. I'm not going to talk about those things. I'm going to talk about how we can get long-term changes. I think successful changes are best done when they're things that are attainable. They're reasonable to do. They're sustainable. We can maintain them. I want to actually be able to be doing the thing that I say I'm going to do. I don't want to have to turn my life upside down and try to rework my entire day. And I still want to be doing this thing at the end of this year. I want to look back at December 31st and say, I made this change and I'm still doing it. Grand plans. These great big things are, are marvelous. Let's run a marathon this year. But a lot of those plans are just full of sound and fury, and they end up giving us nothing. So I don't want you to do that. I, I want to try to give you some, some ideas on how we can avoid that. I'm going to break it down and tell you that there are eight pieces or eight components to being healthy. You can argue with me and tell me there's 9, 10, 11, and 12. I won't disagree with that. I pick eight because I think these are pretty good ones to get started with. And they are food and drink, rest and exercise, stress management, chemical intake, safety, and relationships. Kind of crazy to hear all those things, but I'm going to take you through those kind of briefly today. And in the few following weeks, I'm going to lay those out a lot in, in greater detail to see exactly what we want to do with something like the foods that we're putting into our body. Everybody has heard, I'm sure, the saying, you are what you eat. Well, you know what? Saying that does not help us get healthy. It just doesn't. All it does is makes those of us who don't have the healthiest diet, who don't feel very good, feel even worse. We, we don't have a great diet. 
I feel even worse than I used to. So why say that to people? I don't say that. There is no such thing as a healthy diet that works for everybody. We're all in a different place. Now, there are parts of a healthy diet that are common to all of us, but some people are gluten intolerant. Some people are lactose intolerant. Tell a lactose intolerant person that they need to drink milk and they're going to laugh at you. We know that our diet should have some kind of a balance of fruit, vegetables, meats, proteins, grains, and that dairy group. And again, we go back to the dairy and you tell a lactose intolerant person, you need to drink more milk and they're going to either kick you or just completely ignore you because it doesn't work for them. You can get your calcium from lots of other sources. Cows don't drink milk and they have lots of calcium in the milk, right? They get their calcium from dark green leafy vegetables, which are a great source of calcium. If you're going to eat dark green leafy vegetables to get the same amount of calcium as a cow, you're going to be eating grass all day long just like a cow. So we need to think things through just a little bit. But that's my plan here is to give, give you some ideas on what kind of things we can do instead of trying to give you this is what you must do. The first part toward making the good New Year's resolution is to take stock. Really step back and evaluate yourself. What's going on in this particular area? When we're talking about diet, is there anything in your diet that's lacking? Is there anything in your diet that you know is overloaded? I don't get enough vegetables. I eat too many sweets. If we can find an answer like that, we are on our way to putting out there a reasonable goal, something that we can achieve, we can make improvement. If you don't eat enough vegetables, start adding some vegetables into your diet. I'm not saying you should become a vegetarian. I'm saying if you eat zero green vegetables through the course of a week, a great goal would be one green vegetable a day. Not a complete overhaul of your diet, but let's start adding a little bit of that in there. You don't have to change your diet by giving up all red meat or by giving up all pastas. Just add one serving of vegetable. Switch to a food that's a little bit healthier away from something that's not quite as healthy. Even with snacks. Maybe you want to look at your portion size. We've been eating too much of certain foods. Even if they're good for us, too much is still not very good. Recently, a friend of mine reported to me that he gave up desserts and lost a whole bunch of weight. Now, that is not my idea of a great way to lose weight, but it worked well for him. We are all different people, and you have to figure out what's best for you, not what's best for me. So if we can improve the foods that we put into our body, then we can start to make a positive change. Stop what you're doing, take a look at what your diet looks like, find a glaring deficiency or an excess, and figure out a way to address that. And that's a great start for getting healthier. That's the way I want to talk about all these things. What is it that we can do for food? I want to move into drink as well. And before I do that, I have several podcasts out there that talk about water. And I may have several podcasts in the past that talked about some of these other things. If you want to refer back to those while you're waiting for me to come out with my next podcast, they're going to really attack what we can do to make our diet better with food and drink and all these other components. You're more than welcome to go back and check those out. If you find something there that you like, drop me a line. Just let me know. Now, when it comes to drinking, we all are going to put liquids into our bodies. We know drinking can be of healthy things. My oldest son just started drinking the kombucha, which I'm not real crazy about personally, but that's fine for him. I know that there are other people who make drinking choices that aren't quite as healthy. Talk to somebody who drinks a large chai tea with seven pumps of the syrup in it every single day. Now, I consider that to be a bad choice of what to drink. I've seen people who walk around with a 16-ounce bottle of some kind of a soft drink, regular or diet. 
Now, I, I think all those things are habits that we have. And for those folks, setting a realistic goal, a New Year's resolution, does not necessarily mean going cold turkey from the chai tea or completely eliminating the soda from the diet. It can be something as simple as switching one soda for water today. This week, you go five sodas and one water. You go instead of a large size chai tea with seven pumps, you go to a medium with three pumps. And you're cutting down the amount of sugar and you're cutting down the, the food that you're putting in there, the stuff that's kind of hard on us. I don't know that it's a good idea to try to cut back on coffee because um, you'll feel horrible. But those are some of the things that people try to do and it, obviously it, it fails for them. I don't want people to fail. Making changes and making New Year's resolutions can and should be marvelous tools for us to become healthier and better people. And if we try something unrealistic and get a bad result from it, some people swear off these changes for good. That's not the right way to go about it. Make a good positive change and keep it something that's reasonable and sustainable over the long haul. The next thing I want to move on toward is kind of a opposite concept of rest and exercise. We all know the benefits of rest. We all know that we need sleep. And I hear so many people every single day complaining that they don't get enough sleep. We're so busy. We've got so many things to do. People go to bed too late at night. They get up too early in the morning. I've done three podcasts on sleep and why we need better sleep. And obviously most of us just aren't getting it. So I really don't want to try to give you tons of sleep advice right now because it took me three podcasts to talk about it before. But let me just give you one small idea. Go to bed a half an hour earlier. Go to bed 15 minutes earlier. Do a little bit of planning the night before so that when you get up in the morning, you can be a little bit more rested about your pace uh, and make the rest that you get at night more valuable to your body. Not everyone needs the eight hours per night of sleep, but if you wake up every single morning and you complain that you're tired, it's a pretty good indicator that you are not getting enough sleep. Moving in the right direction for getting a little bit more sleep seems like it's an overwhelming challenge for a lot of us. And I wouldn't suggest that you go from five hours a night to eight hours a night. Your schedule probably won't tolerate that. You have too much stuff to do. Put an extra 15 minutes in, put an extra half hour in. Maybe you can only accomplish that on the weekends, but start adding that sleep in there. See where it takes you and see how far along the path that one small change can, can take you. It doesn't require anything other than turning off the devices, turn off the television a little bit earlier and going to bed. If you do that, I'd be real, real anxious to see what kind of good stuff uh, happens to you from there. The other side of that coin, the opposite side of rest would be exercise activity. This seems to show up on everybody's New Year's resolution list. Everyone wants to get more active. It's so popular that gyms and fitness facilities rent extra equipment for the month of January because so many people get gym memberships in the month of January and don't show up after February. All these gyms return this rented equipment in, on February 1st because all the people that signed up in January quit coming. It's just too hard for a lot of people to make those changes. Now, I think that additional exercise and activity is a great tool, and I think the vast majority of us in this country especially need to do more exercise. But there's a good way to go about it, and then there's the wrong way of joining a gym and not showing up anymore. So I'm going to try to give you some ideas on the good way. First of all, you honestly have to evaluate how much exercise or activity you get each day. If your job involves standing or walking, joining a gym and then jumping on the treadmill after eight hours of standing is probably not going to work for you. You've got great intentions. You've got a great idea here. The execution is going to fall apart. I guarantee it because you don't need to spend more time walking. That's what you do all day long. On the other hand, if you're a desk jockey, you got to do something. Maybe getting on a treadmill for 30 minutes a day is a great idea. 
if you're a desk jockey, maybe walking once around the block is a great idea. What about somebody who's a landscape builder who moves block and mulch all day long? This guy does not need to go to the gym and lift weights after moving two tons of mulch all day long. We have to think about what we're doing before we know what we should add to it. The second thing to think about is the types of activities or exercises that you have done in the past, especially the stuff that worked out well for you. If you were a former high school cross-country runner, then I think the best thing for you is a brand new pair of running shoes. I think a stack of free weights and a weightlifting bench in the basement of your house is going to be a place for you to hang clothes and not much more. You're probably just not going to get a good success out of that. Think about the stuff that you've done in the past. Try to reproduce that if you can. That ties right into number three. What is your current situation? If you have small children, if you've got a long commute, you might be limited in when you can go to the gym. You can't get there because you've got to get the kids on the school bus. You've got to rush home after, after work to get them off the school bus. We all have those limitations that could be staring us down and there's nothing we can do about them. You're going to have to find a home-based program that you can do in the mornings before the kids have to get up. Something that's flexible enough that you can pause it when you need to because one of the kids needs something. Something that you can do after you get home from work and before dinner, after helping them with their chores, after helping them with their homework, after getting them bath, whatever it is. And whatever your situation is can dictate what you can and can't do. For some people, just getting a walk around the block once a week is a great improvement from what they've done the year before. I don't care what you've been doing. I want to see you be able to do more exercise, more activity in a good way and still be doing it at the end of this year. If you're doing that, then you have successfully completed that goal of becoming more physically fit. You may not be ready to run a marathon. You don't have to be. The next topic I'm going to talk about and touch, try to be real brief about this is stress management. If you're listening to this podcast, you are alive. So if you are, you have stress. That's a guarantee. You might be in a season of life where the stress is unavoidable college students, certain occupations, certain periods of your life when you're raising children, the stress is immense. There's some of these things that we cannot eliminate. You're going to take care of the kids. You're going to go to your job. You're going to have to your commute. There's not much we can do about that. I need you to sit back and take an honest look at the things that you can change. Be a little tough. One small change that can decrease your stress is to try the word no. This does not make you a bad person. It's probably not going to cost you a friendship. I was watching a Christmas movie in the last couple of weeks, Elf. Most of you are probably familiar with it. Buddy the Elf goes to meet his dad for the first time. And his dad's receptionist, whose name is Deb, is sitting out there. She's on the phone with someone. And she says, I don't know. I've never declawed kittens before. How many are there? The person on the other line says something like eight. And she says, eight. Well, bring them by my camper and I'll see what I can do. Now, if you've never declawed cats before, why would you tell someone to bring eight kittens over to try to declaw them? And the answer is, you're not a, a person that knows how to say no. And I understand this is a movie. But a lot of times, we get ourselves in a situation where we create more stress for ourselves. We put more on our plate than we can handle, which is a stress, because we can't say no. There are lots of great causes out there. There are lots of great organizations that need our help. And we see the need and want to do those things at the expense of our schedule of our sanity all that does is increase our stress what you need to do is figure out a way to say no to people i don't want to try to get into the, all the other stress management tools that are out there there's books there's apps that are on your phone there's people that do counseling to talk about stress you could get a family calendar so everybody can have all of their scheduled events for the upcoming week all in one place where everybody can see it that would help decrease the stress 
Maybe you need to use the grocery pickup service where you order ahead of time and, and save five or 10 minutes by having somebody pick up the groceries and bring them out to your door. There's a lot of different options there for getting rid of stress. I've also done uh, some podcasts on stress. We'll, we'll revisit that again and see if we can't uh, come up with some other things. But we need to decrease the amount of stress that we have, recognizing that some of this stuff is just not negotiable. It's going to be there and we're going to have to deal with it. If you want to talk about most people's New Year's resolution lists, especially the category of people who smoke, it almost always includes that they want to quit smoking. Alcohol, tobacco usage, um, and weight loss are probably the biggest things on most, most New Year's resolution lists. Uh, I will say that those chemicals are big ones to talk about. Maybe we can talk about a couple other ones. Tobacco products, obviously, vaping, uh, caffeine, legally prescribed drugs that we take as needed, and also the people that are taking the illegal drugs. These things need to be diminished and regulated and controlled as best we possibly can. Eliminated would be great, but we at least need to control them. And if we want to get healthier, take less of them. I know you're sitting there saying, well, I need these medications. I'm not talking about medications that you have to have. I'm talking about the stuff that's the optional stuff. If you can figure out a way to relieve some of your stress, then you don't need the anti-anxiety medication as much. If you can figure out what foods trigger your gastric reflux and avoid them, you don't need to take the antacid medication as much. Those would be great steps to making our bodies work better and getting healthier. If you're not a person that can quit smoking just by willpower, you probably need a program to help you. You probably need a professional. You might need one of the, the smoking quitting aids, the, the gums or the chews or the patches or anything like that. I've never smoked. I, I won't try to give advice to those people. And I know it's, it's a horrible horrible challenge for all those folks. But maybe what you can just do is decrease your smoking by one cigarette today. Every day this week, it's one less cigarette. If you did that, you'd be on your way. I don't know how far you could take that. Maybe two or three weeks from now, you cut out another cigarette. Maybe two or three weeks after that. Maybe by the end of the year, you're only down five or six cigarettes, but it would be better than smoking a whole pack of cigarettes. Those kinds of small changes are also valid changes and they're probably more common for people to be able to achieve than cutting out smoking entirely. I talked to somebody today who said of all the years that he smoked, he, he quits smoking after every single cigarette, but he started again when he lit up the next one. And that describes his failure to be able to quit. It took him years to be able to quit. All those extra things that we put into our body need to be pared down as much as we possibly can to give our bodies a chance to work as best they can, the, the most normal that they possibly can. That will help us be healthier. That's on your New, Year, New Year's resolution list. Start small, make a change. I want to talk next about something that seems a little bit out of place, and uh, I can go over this one real quickly, but it's safety. It seems a little bit odd to talk about it, but when we start talking about one of the greatest losses of life and health in this country, it's accidents. Car accidents, all kinds of accidents. A lot of us are just busy. We're rushing all the time. We drive above the speed limit. We rush to get from point A to point B. We don't necessarily stop at all the stop signs. Uh, and because of that, People get in accidents, people get hurt, people get damaged, people end up with permanent problems, and some people end up deceased, unfortunately. If we can just make more time for ourselves, don't push yourselves as much. Don't be running late all the time. Understand when you need to leave the house and leave five minutes earlier. That's a great New Year's resolution right there. Get out of the house five minutes earlier for all this stuff and you won't feel like you're as rushed. Change the batteries in your smoke detectors. So often, something like that doesn't hit home until there's a tragedy in the community. A house burns down, there were no batteries in the smoke detectors, someone loses life, or maybe just loses property. People run out and fix their smoke detectors. 
We also see tragedies where someone is texting and driving. Easy enough to solve. Just put your phone on do not disturb while driving. People that send me a text message get the message that I'm driving and I can't be disturbed. If I want to take a phone call, my phone sends messages right to my car and I can answer through my radio. If you can make those choices, that's a great way to add a low level of safety in there and maybe keep us a little bit safer on the roads. If you're out there driving, start doing one of these things. Think about doing these things. Commit to not texting and driving. I have a teenage driver in my household. I do not text and drive and he sees me not texting and driving. That's the biggest impact that I can make in his life is to teach him to not text and drive by showing him that I will not text and drive. I hope you can do the same thing. Please, please, please do this. Do those things and you'll make a difference right away. The last thing that I want to talk about is something a little bit more personal. And by that, I mean relationships. We all have relationships. We have family. We have loved ones. We have friends. I had an experience several years ago that gives a, a good picture of this. Uh, I was at a golfing event. My partner and I were playing two other people. Uh, and we got soundly beaten by the other pair of people golfing. We went over to congratulate the victors and the other person in the, the other group was jumping up and down like they had just won the Super Bowl. I was a little confused by this and I asked him, what's going on? He said, do you remember three years ago when you and I golfed in a tournament and you had to beat me in three extra holes? And I admitted that I did recall that, but I couldn't place many of the details. This had been eating away at him for three years. The loss to me in 21 holes instead of 18 when he thought he should have beat me. And this had been having an effect on our relationships that I never was aware of. I wasn't even aware that he was upset with me because I beat him. We have situations like that. I talked to a young lady yesterday who had a similar effect. When she graduated high school, a young girl came up to her at the end of the year and told her what a witch she thought she was. She didn't use the W in front of that word. She got a different letter. My friend was shocked and she said, why? What did I do to you? She said, well, early on in the beginning of the school year, I complimented you on your shoes and you ignored me. This young lady admitted that she had never heard this person compliment her. And she's an artistic person. She would have been thrilled to receive a compliment and certainly would have responded. This other young woman in school spent the entire year with a grudge against this girl just because she had never heard it. Take a moment and think about your relationships and you'll find somebody probably who you've done the same thing. You thought they said something you thought they heard something. They didn't respond to you the way that you should. You've been holding a grudge. It's been affecting the relationship that you have with that person. You don't see them anymore. You don't want to see them anymore. You're uncomfortable, unhappy when you do see them. Those are horrible things. We can, we can solve that so easily. If you're listening to a podcast, you know what? As soon as you put down the podcast, text them. Hey, how you doing? Reach out to them. You'll probably find out that there is no grudge coming from that other side. There's a misunderstanding. There's a misrepresentation of what happened. If you're lucky, you'll get back that relationship with that friend or that family member or that loved one. And you can continue that relationship as you move through life. If you're not lucky, you've done permanent damage to and it may not be replaceable. It may not be repairable. Uh, I hate to think of that, but it's possible. So don't wait to do those kinds of things. Reach out to those people. Call, text, anything. Get a way to, to touch base with them. You might be able to restore something wonderful and that could be better than any New Year's resolution. Like I've said, I gave you eight things there. Somebody could come along and say that we need to add 9, 10, 11, 12, and I wouldn't disagree with you. For the sake of brevity and trying to get people to be able to listen to this, I wanted to limit it to those things. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk specifically about each one of those areas and try to fill in the blanks a little bit more, give you some real concrete ways to do that. But for right now, realize that as you start this year, you want to make some changes in yourself 
and you're not quite sure where to go, start by making small changes, something that's reasonable, something that's attainable, that you can actually do, and something that you're going to be able to be doing in December of this year. We want this to be for the long haul. We don't want to be something that's flash in the pan, uh, a six-week grapefruit diet that makes you lose 10 pounds and put it back on as soon as you go back to eating regular food. We don't want to do that. We want to make long-term changes. We want to have better health, not just today, but better health into the future.